When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Bowling. Ben, we've got a topic today that, uh, boy, a listener suggested a long, long time ago. So we're, again, making good on a promise. Right. But uh, it's, it's a promise that's a long time coming. Yes. Uh, we didn't say a, uh, we didn't cite an exact date, uh, but... DJ Blitzkrieg, on Twitter, you were kind enough to remind us that two years ago you had asked us to do a podcast on the Nissan GTR. Two years ago. Two years yeah. back, you know he what? says. I would bet that there were several other suggestions along the way that said, uh, you know, in a long laundry list of things like, and the Nissan GTR and something else. And something right, else. right. So, uh, you know, we've probably uh, put this one on the back burner for a little too long. Maybe it's time to hit it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think we should just dive in and talk about what it is, uh, why so many people like it, mm-hmm. how it compares to other cars, I guess, in it, that are swinging in its weight class, sure. and uh, then maybe some things that people might not know about the Nissan GTR. Yeah, and you know what? There's a, there's a lot of positive press about this car. I mean, there's a lot that's, uh, that's really, really good about this thing. Don't get me wrong. At the very end of this podcast, I do want to bring up one thing that um, someone cited as being a negative, and I, this was an eye-opener for me. It really was something that I had never heard of, something kind of new, a new system, as a matter of fact. And uh, I think it'll be surprising to a lot of our listeners. So mm. hang on for that one. But let's just dive right in and talk about um, – I've gone to the, the Nissan site, and I've got some 2015 information. If you want to hear it just quickly before we get kind of into like, um, yeah. you know, its predecessor and you know where it came from, its heritage and all that. But sure. let's just get kind of the uh, the lay of the land, I guess, on this. How about that? Right on. All right. So there are three cars to choose from. Actually, if you're going to buy a Nissan GTR, you've got three options, and it really just comes down to uh, you know editions, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's the the base edition, which if you can call it base, really, it's it's called premium which is, I think, smart on their part, that they call their base vehicle the premium vehicle. Right. Um, that's, that's That retails at $101,770. Now, that's for the base Nissan GTR. That's gone up significantly since, uh, man, I'd, I'd say four or five years ago even, when it seems to me like it used to be priced right around the 80s. It was like 81000 88000 something yeah. like that. Uh, it's gone up significantly, but there's a lot of good reasons for that, and we'll talk about those today. Then there's the black edition, which is the kind of the, the middle of the range uh, um, 
GTR, and that retails for about $111,500. And that's got some own, you know, some of its own special features that we'll talk about. And then Ooh. there's the Top Dog, which is the track edition, and that is $115,710 uh, for the MSRP. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of them have a lot, of, there's a lot of similarities between all these cars, but there's also right. a few differences that, you know, incrementally allow it to be stepped up in price by Nissan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, the reason that they've, I guess you could say expanded this variety of things that are still GTR, mm-hmm. but unique to their own, uh, unique to their own niche, I guess, in the car buying world mm-hmm. is that, uh, the GTR has become since the late 1960s, the GTR's quickly become an iconic vehicle. Ah, you said 1960s. Uh-huh. But, as you know, uh, the very first GTR was actually a Skyline, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, so in 1969, Nissan begins producing a high-performance version of its Skyline sedans, and they call these the Nissan Skyline GTR. Um People love this thing from, from the moment it comes out. It's, uh, people love it on the road. They love it on the racetrack. Um, and although you're not going to see a GTR badge skyline right now, um, a lot of the, what we could call its DNA comes from the skyline. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, uh, you know, people can definitely see the, uh, the, the intent behind the, the modern GTR. Mm-hmm. With what they had done with the, the previous GTRs. Now the, the pre, previous GTRs, the Skyline GTRs, those were produced from, as you said, 1969 till 1974, and then there's a gap in production. Right. They didn't, they didn't produce the Skyline GTR. Um, I, I don't know about the Skyline itself. I didn't even look into that. I apologize. I think the Skyline was still around. Uh, then they brought back the GTR badged vehicles for 1989 through 2002. Right. Just for a little bit. Yeah. Just for a little bit. And, uh, and then they said, you know, let's take this away again, and we're going to really, really work on this thing. We're going to revamp it, and we're going to bring it back out. Um, uh, I think they had a uh, a concept vehicle in 2001 uh-huh. uh, that came out. That was a. Um, I, I need to say something about the concept vehicle. If no one's ever seen the uh, the 2001 concept vehicle from the Tokyo Motor Show, yeah, 2001 Tokyo Motor Show. Motor Show. Uh, the, the concept vehicle looks nothing like the present day uh, no. skyline or I'm sorry not the skyline the uh, the GTR uh-huh. and to me it looks an awful lot like a um an infinity G35 uh sport coupe yeah. and i think it almost looks exactly like that only with a flatter taller front end right which is kind of surprising but then you think like okay well infinity this this does make sense because infinity is the luxury division of Nissan so they took that that prototype design. They said, "Well, that kind of that body style kind of works for us." It's more Infinity, they said, than it is GTR. Exactly. And then they came out with a second um, concept vehicle, which was it debuted a little later in two thousand five. Exactly, two thousand five, and that vehicle was much much closer to what we see on the road today as the as mm. the Nissan GTR. Yeah, it was. Um, they would say it's an extensive redesign. I would argue it may as well be a different vehicle entirely. Um, and much closer to the actual production GTR that yeah. we see on the road. Yeah, so the prototype of the concept that came out in 2005, I think they said something like 80 to 90% of that vehicle would make it to the, the, the street vehicle. Right, which comes out in 2007, at least in the Japanese market. Mm-hmm. It's 2008 here in the U.S. Uh, people, people love it. People liked it. Um, 
let's see, it was also 2008 in Canada. Didn't get to Europe till 2009. Uh, but they said the, there's a reason for this, uh, staggered release. Um, and it's an interesting reason, which I did not know beforehand. What is it? Nissan had to build performance centers hmm. in these markets to um, service the car. Interesting. So uh, they didn't have the ability to do that up until the GTR was around. Well, they, I guess not. And they also had uh, they also had a little bit of a bottleneck with production because the engine and the gearbox are assembled by hand. Hmm. Uh, so. Around the world, they can only make 1,000 cars a month. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned the engines because uh, yeah. we do need to talk about the engines in these things. And I'm, I'm shuffling notes here. You may hear this, but um, the, the engines are put together one at a time by one individual in a clean room situation. So yeah. um, now it's, it's pretty amazing the way this happens. Now, there's only eight people that are allowed the honor, they say, of building uh-huh. GTR engines. So your engine, if you're in, if you own a GTR, your engine was built by one person in one room over a course of, I don't know how long it is, maybe a day, I'm not sure. But it's, it's built in a dust-free, temperature-controlled clean room situation where, um, it goes through all of its testing and everything there. It's, it goes through something like 44 minutes of bench testing, mm-hmm. um, and, and break-in where the engine's redlined for 10 solid minutes and, um, then finally, you know, when the whole thing is tested out okay and everything, it's put into the vehicle. And then it's put through its taste, uh, its paces rather at a place called the, uh, Tochigi test track. So it's taken to a, a test track and then, and then run, you know, hard, I'm sure. Uh, but each one is signed. And I don't know if you can call it signed. I guess the badge is put on the, uh, on the engine that says who built that engine and when right. and all the, all the, who of the eight, exactly who of the eight built your engine. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty a neat, it's pretty neat thing. It's very, um, um, a personal touch to the whole right, thing. and it's a high quality engine too. The the uh, vehicle's powered by a VR thirty eight DETT V six, uh, so that is three point eight liter, uh, two hundred thirty one point eight cubic inches. Uh, it's got some it's got some interesting stuff there because it also has two parallel turbochargers mm-hmm. that just come with the GTR, and let's see the engine output. Can vary depending on the model. So, um, with the, especially with the newer ones between 2007, 2010, um, they have some different claims for the RPM, um, between those years. Well, not the RPM, probably the, the horsepower, I bet. Uh, yeah, horsepower as well. Yeah. Oh, horsepower and RPM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, uh, maximum RPM. Right. All right. So, yeah, I think, uh, around two, I've got numbers for about 2009 on. Oh, cool. And my 2009 numbers say something like 480 horsepower and 430 pound feet of torque. And, um, stepping up to, you know, 2015, which is where we are now, I guess, the, the model year, anyways. Yeah. 545 horsepower. And they've actually been at 545 since 2013. Right, yeah. But the uh, zero to 60 times are rapidly dropping. I mean, they went from three, three and a half seconds in 2009 down to 2.7 seconds in 2014. And the 2015 numbers haven't been really released yet. It's still kind of up in the air. And you know, uh, a lot of that is due to the uh, change in materials because they've started using carbon fiber, right? Mm -hmm, Um, Exactly. In the rear spoiler, the grill, uh, the brake ducts. You can get a couple of extra carbon fiber goodies if you got the scratch. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about a few of the different models here quickly. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. Can, we can get back to that I mean, because I want to talk about the Nürburgring and, you know, some of the oh, other yeah, stuff yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's tested there, of course, you know, as every supercar is really. Oh, that's another thing. One quick thing. Mm. 
they just say that it's not a supercar. They call it the supercar. And that's kind of their tagline for this whole thing. Right. But I've got a question for you, and, mm-hmm. and this is just kind of a little bit off track before we get into some of these additions. And, no, and lay it on me, lay it on me. But when you look at the uh, the Nissan GTR, I mean, it's a nice-looking you know, sport coupe. That's a high-performance vehicle, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a, a great-looking sport coupe. It's it's very, very I already slick. know what you're going to ask. I love it. But does it look like a supercar to you? Okay. It does not look like a supercar to me. But it behaves like one. It behaves like one, and I and I enjoy that that surprise kind of it reminds me just a little bit of our sleeper car episode now i don't think it looks asleep enough if, yeah. you, if you could say that it's, like, a, it's a fast looking car yeah but it's not like uh, something low and wide and, and extremely uh um i don't know swoopy i guess with its design or angular right it looks like you could despite the speed it looks like you could use it as a daily driver it's not a typical european supercar no, not at all. It Even doesn't fit the stereotype. It, no, it really doesn't. It doesn't have like, you know, the uh, extremely, um, well, we've already talked about it. I mean, it just doesn't have the appearance of, let's say, a, a McLaren or, uh, you know, the, any of the Lamborghini type vehicles. Right. And especially, I keep going back to that it, it rides a little higher than those vehicles, too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I mean, in traffic, though, it does stand out, though. It's still, oh, absolutely. It's, it's still a gorgeous car. I mean, I see them around here around town all the time. And they're really, really nice. And I've seen them at car shows and things like that. You know, be able to kind of look inside and see what they're all about. But I mean, honestly, they're not anything overly flashy, I guess. You know what? Flashy might be the best word because I think we all, we all tend to associate the, the name supercar, the term with this sort of, I don't want to say garish, but very, very much of a, of a showy vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. The, sure. the aesthetic is, um, is designed to turn heads, and this car is a head turner, but it's not outrageously so. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, so let's get back into, and, you know, I, I kind of wonder what our listeners are thinking about that. Too. Yeah. So maybe write in and tell us what you think about that. Is the that. GTRs, look, uh, does it look like a supercar? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so let's get back into some of these, uh, some, of the models. Some, of the, some of the features, I guess, the models, you know, what what they come with, because, you know, for a jump up in price of about $10,000 and then another one up, another $4,000, you kind of wonder what you get for that because all of these have the same engine, the same transmission, the same right. brakes. Uh, they get the same highway miles. You know, it's uh, 23 rated at 23 highway and 16 city. So that's all the same. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between these cars, but it, where it breaks down really is the um, is the the availability of some of these, I guess, the optional equipment that you add on to this thing. Only they do it in packages so that you buy it as an addition. Yeah. So you get these three different edition options. Plus, there's other options that you can add on to that, and we'll talk about those too. Um, just at least just a few of them because there's so many of these things. Right. Um, so if you go up from the from the premium version, you go up to the um, up to the black edition. So the premium edition has a 3.8 liter V6 engine, which we mentioned, twin turbo, 500 and what 45 horsepower, something like that. Uh, yeah. Very strong. It has a dual clutch, six speed transmission. Um, it's got you know 20 inch wheels. Uh, some the Brembo braking system that's very, very strong. Um, then if you go up to the black edition, you get everything in the premium features edition, plus you get a dry carbon fiber rear sport, rear spoiler. You get 20-inch special dark-finished uh, type of wheels. You know, it's just a different appearance package, I guess, for that. And then you get a, a different type of interior package, which is a black-red Recaro front seat package that, that comes along with this whole thing, right? It's kind of a, a deluxe interior. Right, yeah. Look. And then if you go to the track edition, you get everything that's included in not only in the premium and the black edition, you get you get these additional features. You get carbon fiber air inlets, 
You get a track tune suspension, which you don't get in the others, and you get a blue gray leather appointment front, or you get blue gray leather seats. They're appointed right. somehow in yeah. a special way. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Hand, hand stitched or whatever it is. And, uh, carbon fiber. I mentioned carbon fiber air inlets already, didn't I? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you get a lot of different extras. And I think the track edition also has a, um, a carbon fiber deck lid, a trunk lid, which the other one doesn't have. No. But it's painted, so you don't even recognize it from the outside if, um, um, if you're not like touching or moving it. Exactly. But it's supposedly, you know, much stronger, much stiffer, uh, lighter weight. Of course, mm-hmm. you're saving, I forget how many pounds it saves, but it's pretty significant. And, uh, you know, these packages, all of them you can add. Well, some of them you can, some of them you can't. You have to go through Nissan's website and find out what's available, what's, op- what's optional, what's not available. Right. But some of the things that I can just point out real quickly in the packages is, um, they have a premium paint job that you can get. It's something like like three thousand dollars more than any other of the standard. Oh, the uh, opal black, right? I think it's a silver that I brought. Oh, is there? Okay. There's a different type of black that's also. A l- I was under the impression. Tell me about the silver one. Though. Well, the silver one has some kind of type of special treatment in between. I think it's like a, a hand rub polish that you know it, it's um, it's several more steps, I guess, to get the uh, the premium silver paint that uh, that they're talking about. And um, let's see. There's also. Of course, a red amber interior package, which is like another $4,000. There's, um, I guess a couple of those. I think there's an ivory leather interior package. There's also a cold weather package, which is not available on the, tr- the black edition or the track edition, but only available on the premium edition. And that's a zero cost option, which is kind of nice. You can get, yeah. um, you know, I think there's like a special 50-50 coolant mix that comes along with that and special tires that you get along with, uh, you know, the, the wheel package that already comes on the premium version. So, you know, and, and this is just the, the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. These, these features and, and selections and options on these things, it goes on and on and on for, I mean, it must have been 15 or 16 pages that I printed out here. Yeah. That I will not go through. Um, I'm going to spare the listeners all that, but <laughs> there's other things, other, other parts that I'd like to go through if you want. I mean, uh, yes, but, but first I have to ask a question. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. <laughs> and let us know what you think. Now, speaking of letting people know what you think, uh, Scott, I got to tell you, I've been reading some reviews for... Uh, the Nismo GTR. Oh yeah, and um, and I have to ask you, what do you think about that vehicle? Oh, let me tell you, that is a fantastic vehicle. Now, of course, Nismo is uh, you know, the Nissan's uh, tuning division, I guess. Right? Uh-huh. I, I don't know how to really say that. Maybe that's the is that. It's not your average. What I think what is important for us to say that is a good way to say it. Um, okay. The Nismo GTR is not your average Nissan GTR. Definitely not. Right. Definitely so, not. Um, I just wanted to uh, spend some time uh, just talking about this real quick as a sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so this uh, is a this has a turbocharged 3.8 liter V6, and uh, there are some great reviews about it. Uh, first off, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, even um, more powerful than the standard GTR. Even more powerful than the track edition. Right. Yeah. 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 And. Uh, they, uh, some reviews I've read say that, uh, it's in the 600 horsepower range, mm-hmm. uh, and they say that might be a conservative estimate. I've heard that too, but you'll see it printed sometimes as low as 595, which again, right. I say as low as, now come on, 595 horsepower? <laughs> very, very strong yeah, what, either it's way. It's a turtle so, on wheels. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> exactly, the, the top numbers go well above 600, so, you know, it depends on where you're looking. And, and lots of torque. I mean, it has additional torque as well. Right, yeah, and it's got uh, some some great stability control systems that mean uh, it is much more agile than you would expect. Exactly, yeah, and so agile that uh, this is the one that they take out for their testing at the Nürburgring. Ah, uh, yes. And here we go, because, uh, you know, as we've talked about many, many times, and uh-huh. I don't mean to step on you here. No, no, this is what I was but, building toward. But, uh, you know, as of now... The Nismo uh, Nissan GTR is currently number four on the all-time fastest Nurburgring lap time, uh, I guess, greatest hits, you know, right. of all time. And that's with a time of uh, seven minutes eight seconds. Exactly, seven minutes eight seconds. I mean, that's uh, that's incredibly fast. I mean, you can. Uh, and the cool thing about this, Ben, you can go to NurburgringLapTimes.com. Yeah, I'll say it again: NurburgringLapTimes.com. And you can watch, and it have the list, you know, I have the list of everybody in order, how fast they finish, you know, the number one all the mm-hmm. way through number 100, mm-hmm. and, the, you know, the number 100 gets bumped off occasionally. So it's currently number four, and the cool thing is that you can click this little, uh, you know, a little button over on the side that says watch lap now or something like that. You can watch an in-car lap of that vehicle doing that, doing that uh, lap of the Nürburgring at mm-hmm. that time. So, you know, like the official lap. Yeah. And uh, it's not available for all of them. However, the uh, the GTR is one that you can watch the full lap of. So you can watch the full seven minutes and eight seconds if you want and see exactly how fast this thing does 
uh, I guess attack the Nurburgring really because that's, <laughs> that's a good phrase. I mean, it, it definitely attacks the track. You you won't believe how quick this thing is. And although although I have heard people say before that um, the lap time of the Nurburgring is not is not necessarily a benchmark mm-hmm. that should be treated as important as we do treat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to say, man, it's it's in my opinion, it is mandatory for a car of this caliber. To be on the Nürburgring. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, you you have to be if you want to be um, if you want to be considered as a peer group, you know, or sure, in the if you want to be taken seriously within that group of, of or in that world that this thing evol- yeah, revolves in. I guess I don't know if yeah. that's maybe the best way to say that or not, but it's um it's it's kind of the uh, the, the sandbox that it plays in. It needs to be able to uh, to to stand up and say like, here's what we can do. You know, we're we're right up there with you guys. Right and. Speaking of that kind of peer group and competition stuff, uh, let's go ahead and mention that the GTR is no stranger to head-to-head comparisons, right? Yeah. Uh, we've seen the, uh, the GTR go against the Porsche 911 GT3, the BMW M3. Um, in both cases, it was, uh, it was found to be the faster one. Uh, at least that was in, what was that? Amazing for the 2011? price. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm going yeah. because considering the price difference, that is just amazing. It is. It really is. I mean, it's shocking to, to see that it will compete with uh, with world leading cars like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I understand that it that it will, of course. You know, based on everything that I've read about it recently, because I've I've really done a, a thorough read through of, of what this thing has, and I hope I'm conveying some of this. Now, we can't get to all of it, obviously, but no, no, I'm going to no. try to get to some of it today. You know what? I also want to, uh, I also want to say that, you know, towards the end here, I want to talk about a little bit of aftermarket tuning before we get to, you know, oh, that, yeah, that yeah. last thing, okay. I guess. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, um, aftermarket tuning, let's save that for just a bit because there's some uh, remarkable numbers being put up by a particular aftermarket tuner that I want to tell you about. Um, kind of like the, the top end of, of what this thing's capable of at this point. Uh-huh. Um, so let's step through maybe, let's step through the, um, I guess the, the vehicle itself, you know, like the exterior, the interior, some of the performance stuff, maybe, you know, some special edition type stuff that we didn't get to. Oh, good. Well, some okay. of the technology that's involved, because there's, there's a little bit of that that I think is fascinating as well. Okay. So, you know, if we get a little too long here, we'll see what we have to do, maybe. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. so, I'm on board. All right. So, exterior, and I'll just try to laundry list some of this stuff and make comments as I go. How about that? Okay. All I'll right. make some remarks, too. <laughs> Okay. All right. So for the exterior, and this comes from, you know, like the, the Nissan site, you know, like the brochure information. So sure. if it sounds a little bit uh, commercially, that's maybe why, but we're going to add some stuff along <laughs> the way. A little bit gloss. Now, it has what um, it has what they call a hybrid body structure, which I thought was kind of neat. A neat way to say it, I guess. There's four different types of materials used. They use high-strength steel, die-cast aluminum, carbon fiber, and composite materials to build the body of this thing. And it's not just that; it's also built in a very precise way because they use jigs a lot, like they do for um, race cars. You know, when they put right. it together, a race car, it's very tight tolerance jigs that are used when they weld these things together. Um, that allows them to uh, create a very precision build. Something that's uh, not to say that you know your production car is any any less precise, but uh, maybe there's a little bit more tolerance in something like that than what they would with a hand built vehicle like the Nissan GTR. Right, and just to go ahead and outline this point again, if anybody misheard that, when they say hybrid body, all they mean is that they're using different materials. It's not 
it's not meant in any way to imply that they are using bodies of hybrid vehicles. No, no exactly. Hybrid in, yeah. in the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's steel and carbon fiber right. and, and Composite. composites and cast aluminum and stuff like that. Not, not, uh, not all carbon steel. <laughs> right. Um, which would be outlandishly heavy in this vehicle. Um, oh, you know what? Here's something about the exterior and the, uh, the hand polished finish that we mentioned. Oh, yeah. Um, it says it's unique to the optional, uh, to the optional color super silver which is a paint color that you can select uh, for any of the models, I guess. Now, there's an extensive hand polishing that goes on between each coat, and it's performed under three different light sources to reveal any imperfections. So it's kind of like a an above and beyond paint job, I guess, if you're really into that type of thing. And I know some people are. They'll pay extra for a special color or a special treatment uh, because they know it pays off in the long run, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't recognize it myself, but I'm not an auto detailer or anything like that, so... I know some people can spot it right away. Yeah, it's an investment. And yeah. if you know what you're looking for, it's apparent. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, w- one thing that I, I totally forgot, I've got to jump back in time here, if that's okay. okay. Sure. Jump back in time, and people are probably asking themselves, well, Scott and Ben, if this car was so popular when it first came out in 69, mm-hmm. then why did it go away? And then it come, and why did it come back? Um, well, an interesting thing that we have to note is that um, when Nissan first stopped making the GTR, they didn't say it's because it wasn't selling. They said because emission standards and the international oil crisis were compelling it. Got it. Got That's it. it. And you know what? One quick note yeah. on that as well. I'll, I'll kind of, uh, you know, add on to that. Yeah. Is that they want to make sure that, um, and this is important through all the literature I found out is that uh, they want to say that the, the current, uh, they call it the new GTR, which is, you know, what we're seeing now on the road. Yeah. is is all new. It's not really an evolution of the original machine at all. Mm-mm. It's not like, you know, when they do these incremental design changes and it's like, well, let's update this and we'll call it the the new GTR. It's not that way at all. This is an all-new vehicle uh, that, that we're seeing. So it's not like, you know, you can go back to the 2002 vehicle and say, well, I just see, like, I see what they did here. They just changed this and right. called it a brand-new vehicle for 2008 or seven rather. Uh, but an all-new vehicle with all-new chassis code and everything. I mean, I think they call it the R35 because it's called the CBA R35 mm-hmm. for the chassis code. And um, it, it's, I guess it, there's a, a naming convention that's carried on from previous GTR generations, but that's about it, Yeah, uh, the R35 thing. But that's that's really it. Oh, and it also gets the same nickname as the early, earlier generation cars. Uh-huh. Uh, it was nicknamed Godzilla by an Australian <laughs> publication back in 1989. Yeah, so, by uh, Wheels, right? Yeah, I think it was Wheels in, in 1989, and that name just kind of stuck around, and they still continue to call the car Godzilla, Godzilla. which is, I mean, obviously it's comical for, you know, a Japanese company to be building a car called Godzilla, right? Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. So, I mean, it I, sounds it sounds like a, a, the kind of joke that an Australian magazine would make. It kind of so. does. It kind of does. Um, another, this is a description I heard of, the GTR, and it's not so much a well-known nickname, but I've read reviews that said uh, the GTR may well be a giant killer, they mm-hmm. called it, because it goes back to what we said about um, about price comparison with performance. So, uh, you know, it's no, it's no real secret that Nissan is directly competing with uh, some companies that they think may have gotten too comfortable in this area, one of the big ones being Porsche. Sure. And so... Um, and whose cars are sometimes $140,000, $160,000. Exactly. And so um, 
you know, for the Nismo in particular, they would say the appropriate competition for it should be Porsche's GT3. But, you know, the GT3 is um, probably not going to put up too much of a fight, right? So it has to instead the GTR, the Nismo at least, is going up against the 911 Turbo, hmm. which um, price difference-wise is, is pretty profound. Pretty significant. Yeah, and, um, you know, yeah. And that sorry. kind of play, well, that dovetails into the thing that I want to talk about at the very end of this okay. podcast. Okay, all right, good. So everybody stay on that. We want to go do exteriors, interiors? If that's okay, I've got yeah, a few yeah. more exterior type things, and then maybe we'll talk about interior, then we can move on from there and see where we are time-wise. But, all right, Because I think we're running a little bit long here on this one. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aerodynamics. We've oh, talked, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. aerodynamics because um, there's actually, you know, everything you see on the outside, sure, I understand that, you know, it's, it's very sleek-looking um, it's maybe not as conventional as you would think for a supercar like we talked about, right? Sure. With super yeah. sleek design and big fins and everything. Uh, but the underbody aerodynamics are very, very important in this car. And, and it's really, they say that virtually the entire underbody is covered by composite panels. They give it kind of a flat aerodynamic surface that works for the car in a certain way. Now, there's two ways that underbody airflow works for it. 
um, at the front of the car, the flat underbody is accelerating the air and channels it over the brakes and, and you know, cools them. It, it right. works in a way to cool them down, which is fantastic, great way to do it. At the back of the vehicle, there's a carbon fiber diffuser that takes the accelerated air and slows it down, which creates a vacuum effect that helps, I guess, the GTR kind of stick to the road or to the track or wherever it is. Right. So we've heard that a lot of cases with these cars with the diffusers that, you know, it creates this... Um, um, Low pressure area, I guess, or a vacuum that, mm. that kind of sucks the car down and forward, really. You know, it allows it to, uh, allows it to power through turns a little faster than a car would that doesn't have underbody aerodynamics like this. So significant yeah. in that way. Um, there's other cars that do have it. I mean, I'm not saying it's the only one that does, but, um, it's very well handled in the GTR. Right. And part, part of this design, part of the reason that it doesn't look like a European supercar, more orthodox supercar rather, is, um, completely intentional on Nissan's part. Uh, Nissan's, uh, chief creative officer, uh, Shiro Nakamura, uh, likened the new GTR to some anime, to Gundam. Really? Yeah. Oh, like, uh, anime robots. as you, yeah, giant robots, Scott. Giant robots. Uh, well, uh, okay, here's the quotation specifically. Nakamura says, the GTR is unique because it is not simply a copy of a European design supercar. It has to really reflect Japanese culture. Hmm. So they're building what, you know, what they're aiming to do is make a uniquely Japanese answer to the European supercar. So a car that makes a cultural impact as well as a, I guess, a performance statement, right? Spot on, yeah. I mean, for, for both of those cases, mm. right? Yeah. All right. So let's, let's, let's keep going here with our, let's move to the interior. Oh, okay. And, and I do want to talk about technology a little later. So, you know, let's just skip over this interior part. I'm going to mention just quickly what they say here on online okay. about, uh, yeah, yeah. about the interior. And because really it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's on the, on the surface stuff. I mean, it's, it's leather treatments and stuff sure. like that. So leather appointed seats, eight way power adjustable driver's seat, uh, it's carbon, got those paddle shifters. Yeah. It has carbon fiber, um, and charcoal brush metal trim, which is kind of cool. I mean, carbon yeah. fiber trim. I understand yeah. that. And lots of leather and stuff like that. That's, that's fine. I mean, I understand all that, but. You know, that's not really the stuff that we usually talk about on car stuff. We don't talk no. about uh, the cosmetic type stuff typically. No. We have maybe two episodes yeah, on that. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about performance. There we go. All right. So it has something called a what they call the, the premium. Well, we talked about the engine already, but it does right. have something called the premium midship platform, and that is how the engine really sits within the chassis. Mm-hmm. And this is unique to the GTR in that um, the midship platform, this is, this is kind of unusual. Um, yeah. It sits, the engine is, it's a front engine, although it sits mostly behind the front axle. So it's, it's, it sits way, way back in the chassis. Right. If you think about it that way, it's got a long, long hood, you'll notice. Mm-hmm. And, um, because it's a V6, the way that the styling works is because it's a V6, instead of, you know, like a big V8 or a V10 or 12 even, um, it allows the interior to have, you know, kind of the flexibility. I guess it's not, it's not such a long engine as it would be if it was a 10 or a 12. Right. So it's a six. And it allows them to push it back further in the chassis. It gives it a, a crisper turn in, a, you know, like a, a quicker steering response and overall balance to the vehicle. So, you know, um, the balance is really important. Yeah, the balance is very important in this. I mean, it, it's, uh, I think what's the balance for this vehicle? It's like 5347 for all different versions of this car. So it's very yeah. well balanced. It's almost 5050. It's pretty close. Um, but overall it's done for, you know, the, the way that this thing performs on the track and on the street, of course. But, um, I think that, you know, the way that they've done this, this, this premium midship platform, it's, it's so unique. It's so different to this vehicle. I think if anybody else has tried it recently, I haven't heard about it. Yeah. The, uh, one of the closest comparison actually is the, um, 
FM or front midship stuff that Nissan did earlier with the 2001 Skyline. Okay. So the, the premium midship is sort of the version 2.0 of that. I see. So they've, uh, they've worked on so, that. So this is kind of an in-house Nissan thing. Uh, I see. I see. Now we've already talked about the engine and how it's, uh, how it's hand built and you know, crafted by one of these eight people that <laughs> are allowed is to do crazy. it. crazy. I know. It's, uh, it's amazing the, uh, the, the system that they go through. I would, I mean, that, that has to be one of the coolest job descriptions. I think it is too. Yeah. In Japan, you know, you meet, you meet a stranger, you're at a restaurant, you're at a bar, hitting on people or something and then, and then they say, oh, so what do you do? You know, oh, uh, I um, well, I'm one of the only eight people in the world uh, who has my job. I, I build engines. That is really cool. Yeah. Isn't it? That would be fun. And imagine how, how good you would be at that job. You could probably do it blindfolded at a certain point. Not that they would because it wouldn't <laughs> be so precise. But I'm saying that, yeah. you know, that after a while you would be so skilled at that position at, at doing what you do. Can you imagine how how valuable a person you would be wow. to that company at that point? Now I have now I'm starting to have this this really strange picture of the engineers responsible for the engines. Scott, I'm seeing them, you know, uh, just like the old Soldier of Fortune '80s movies. Mm-hmm. They're hanging upside down, blindfolded, assembling and re- de- disassembling and reassembling. Oh, sure, the like the military type. Yeah, yeah, that they yeah. Do, yeah. You know, and there's other manufacturers that do similar things. You know, that there's uh-huh. certain there's certain people that are allowed to build the engines, and that's it. But this is a very select, very, very, very small group, and uh, it just sounds like such a cool environment to work in. And I know every time it comes up, I just am astounded by it. And, yeah. and Nissan's just another one of them. Um, let's see, suspension—that's something we should probably talk about, right. I guess. Um, you know, it's it's really nothing unusual. I mean, it's four-wheel independent suspension. Uh, uh, it's got all-wheel all wheel drive. All-wheel. Oh yeah, all-wheel drive. So let's talk about the uh, the all-wheel drive system. Now, there's a 50-50 torque split between the front and rear axles, typically, but. Because it's electronically controlled, um, the system can provide up to 100% of all available torque to the rear wheels at any time. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is, uh, it can, it can actually feel like you're driving a rear wheel drive car when it needs to feel like it's, you're driving a rear wheel drive car. Um, so, you know, it can either be 50 50 front and rear or it can be up to 100% at the rear if necessary, but it'll never go 100% at the front. So right. it won't feel like a front wheel drive car ever. The most it would feel is 50 50, I believe. I don't know if that, that can change. I, I shouldn't say most. Maybe there's a maybe there's a, a give and take there, but it'll never go full front. I don't believe. And uh, here's here's something interesting. Uh, there has been a little bit of controversy around uh, the GTR's top speed. Ah, yes. You know what I'm talking about. I think you do. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. I think I do. Rather. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, the 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 top speed that Nissan states is 193 miles per hour, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, again, is for the production Nissan, not the Nismo. And uh, Motor Trend, however, got a top speed of uh, just a little bit higher. What'd they get? 195. 195. Okay, now I've seen a number as high as 196. Ah, yes. But, you know, this, and after you're done, Ben, I don't know if you're... No, 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 I'm passing it to you. All right, all right well... Let me tell you this. We've we've talked about the Nissan GTR in a couple of different ways here, and and I and I'll struggle to remember this. I don't know if I can or not, but we talked about the GPS system within this car, right? So this goes into some of the, this is dipping into the technology just a little bit, okay? Yeah, a little early, but something I need to say right now. Now, from an older post in about 2007, I read online somewhere about um, the GPS system in Japan, mm-hmm. and it's a little different than it is here in the United States in that. Um, in Japan, the GTR is electronically limited to a top speed of about 111 miles per hour. Now, remember, this is 
again, this is about six years old now at this point. Yeah. Seven years old at this mm-hmm. point. But this is the information that we had early on about the GPS system now, and it's only in Japan. So limited to a top speed of 111 miles per hour in Japan, but when when the car's GPS determines the car is at a racetrack, the speed limiter is completely removed from the vehicle. Right. But I didn't realize that was only in Japan. Now, when we talked about that in the past, we thought that was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's interesting because we've also read some racing reviews or some performance tests where the reviewers have said, or even the people conducting the test have said, if the engine wasn't limited, they would, they would have expected some different performance. Yeah. However, right. at the same exact time when all that was going on, the, 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 you know, Japan limited 111 miles per yeah. hour. In the United States, there was no similar GPS integration going on. So our top speed here was limited to something like 156 miles per hour, even then. Mm. So even back, even way back then, it was 156. Yeah. Now, for 2015, as we said, it's already bumped up to 196, I think is what they said, uh-huh. or 193 or 195, or it depends on who you, you know, who you read, mm-hmm. I guess, and find out, you know, what their top speed that they achieved was. But man, that's a dramatic increase. And I, you know, I just wanted to kind of clear that up because I know in some other episode, you know, along the way, we mentioned this, uh, this GPS thing, how it, it was, um, uh, so clever that it could figure out you're on a racetrack and allow that speed yeah. limiter to completely be erased from the vehicle, the, the programming, and just let it go all out. Still one of the coolest things. I think that is. Um, uh, here's another thing I kind of want to talk about. Um, when we see this variation in not just top speed times, but also in zero to 60, uh, you've seen some variation for there, uh, for that. Um, there's an interesting wrinkle here. Uh, people have reported just with the production model itself, no bells and whistles, mm-hmm. that this GTR can hit zero to 60 in as little as 3.2 seconds if you use something called launch control. Ah, uh, yes. Now this is some interesting technology. Well, that's getting into the technology that I want to get to okay, after, okay. after I talk about, um, and, and I agree, we'll get to it. I'll stop interrupting. That's so awesome. <laughs> that, that, that feature is really, really cool. Okay. So, uh, just two more quick things on the, uh, okay. on the performance aspects of this thing. Um, we mentioned uh, just briefly that it has a, you know, strong, strong Brembo brakes, I guess, is something we probably oh, should yeah, talk about. Yeah, four yeah. piston, four piston mm-hmm. rear calipers and, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just six piston front calipers. So very, very strong system from, from Brembo. Um, what I really need to talk about here is the, the last thing for performance, I guess, is the, uh, the dual clutch six speed transmission. And it's, it's a, um, a sequential dual clutch transmission that shifts extremely quickly when it's in something called R mode, which again, we'll talk about in technology. It's coming up. <laughs> I, I, I promise you. All right. But when you're in this R mode, um, there's a, there's a, uh, like a gear pre-selection process that goes on, um, electronically in the transmission as you're driving. And it, it's, that's the only way I can describe it quickly without really getting into too much detail. There's, there's a lot to that. But it's, it's pre-selecting the gears around the gear that you're in so that it can say, I'm ready to go to this gear or this gear depends on what the driver does. Yeah. And the trans, uh, the transmission can shift and get this, Ben, just 0.15 seconds. So that's, I mean, literally, as fast as you blink your eyes. I mean, yeah. I think you blink in like point one, point one of a second. Mm-hmm. This is point one five. So just slightly, slightly longer than it takes for you to blink your eyes is how fast it can shift gears. So, you know, everybody who says that, you know, I wish it had a manual transmission that I could actually, you know, get in and feel myself kind of rowing through the gears. 
this this is outdoing that in a way. I mean, in in a in a big way, really, as far as how quickly it can shift. So, and I know you're pulling the uh, pulling the paddle shifters and and making it happen, right? But you're not actually you know grabbing the stick and shifting first, second, third as you would in a lot of other vehicles. Sure. So, um, because it does it that much quicker with the paddle shifts, and and we've seen that in other vehicles as well. But I just figured I'd point it out here because uh, this this type of technology is you know kind of streamlining itself, and it's coming down to even some of the uh, the, the more typical sedans that we see on the road every day. It's not just the GTR. It's coming to a lot of different vehicles now. Uh, this is quick shifting technology and the multi-gear transmissions, you know, mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine speed right. automatics. Uh, they're getting very, very, um, advanced, very complex. Not that they weren't before, but they're, they're upping the game even more. Yeah. And that's starting to trickle down to more of the, um, more of the, I don't want to say low end, mm-hmm. but more accessible cars. Everyday cars. Everyday cars is a nice way to say it. Scott, before we get to the big performance news here, yeah. I just want to laundry list some of the numerous awards that the GTR has won. Sounds good. Uh, cause we didn't talk about it. I don't know if we'll, I don't think we'll really have time to go into racing as much as we should either, but, um, all right. So since 2007, this vehicle has won, uh, more than a baker's dozens of awards, including numerous selections for car of the year, 2007, 2008. Um, it's also in, oh, well, let's see, 2009 as well. Um, it's motor trend car of the year often. It's the champion of the target Tasmania. 2009 and 2010, um, it's been listed as having one of the best resale values of any sports car. Nice. So uh, you won't be a pauper just because you aimed to tangle with some Porsches. Now, see, that's a big fear of a lot of people why they won't buy a sports car. Exactly, a yeah. Instant uh, devaluation. Right, yeah. It's uh, You lose... What is it? You lose like five grand when you drive off the lot. Oh, I think it's I think it's something like forty percent. Forty percent, something like that. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, it's a big big number. Um, <clears throat> all right, and then one of the last ones I thought was really impressive: uh, Guinness Book of World Records in two thousand eleven uh, rated this the fastest zero to sixty time for a four seater production car. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. So uh, the thing gets around the Nürburgring pretty quick, as we heard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's racing. There's uh, there's this aftermarket tuning that we want to talk oh, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, oh, there's something that I want to, I still want to hang on to. It. It's kind of the last thing I want to talk okay, about. Okay, yeah. But, man, Ben, we're, we're already at, uh, we're, we're like 45 minutes into this thing, and we still got more information to go on. I want to talk about the technology as well. Maybe we should uh, do a part two. What do you think? You want a part two of this? Let's uh, do it. Okay, guys. Uh, we are going to make this a two-parter episode. So DJ Blitzkrieg, uh, just consider it one episode for each year we took to respond to this. Uh, so we will be back for our next episode on the Nissan GTR. Stay tuned. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, our very own website, carstuffshow.com, and send us an email directly. We are carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.